0: Welcome back, everyone. We have finally reached the point where we have finished Killers of the Flower Moon by David Grant. And in this episode, we're going to break down basically the entire book, mostly the back end of it with the investigation process and what we think of the book, the characters, and most importantly, David Grant and his outline of the book.
1: All right, we led off with Chapter 7 last time, talking about the death toll in the Osage and how it's climbed to twenty-four and how they sent out uh, the best they they could find for the job. At the start of chapter eight, it's 1925, and Tom White is the head of the Bureau of Investigation, met with J. Edgar Hoover to discuss working together. White says goodbye to his wife and kids and packs up his stuff and heads out. White is a 6'4", former Texas Ranger, and joined the Bureau in 1917. Uh, Seems like someone you would want in in the FBI. White has no formal training as a law enforcement officer and simply collects facts. He uses no detective techniques such as fingerprinting or any other methods the head of investigation may use. Although White doesn't have training with law enforcement, he does have an extensive background in the practice of law. He has good morals and he believes they're aligned between good men and bad men. Bob has some some more to add here. White, well, White's father was actually working in a
2: prison. So White grew up watching people get hung. He watched the he watched the awful tragedies that occurred in a, in a dangerous prison. So he has that background. And we'll see later in the book when White actually leaves the Bureau to work at the prison where many of these criminals are held. He u- uses the, his background and like the feelings that he's gained by watching all this occur as a child to his advantage as a law enforcement officer.
1: Uh, White receives a plethora of files on the OSID's murders. And as he's beginning to sort these files, he's unable to find any sort of connection or pattern between each one. He realizes that certain groups are being targeted and three of them are related. Molly is the last surviving member of the family and had not been asked any questions up to this point. This came rather strange to me because the first thing you would think to do in a criminal investigation as large as this, this is would be to find anyone who, who you could possibly think could be involved in the situation and ask them as many questions as possible. And to put the cherry on top, this individual is a living member of a family who were all mysteriously killed. Something is going on, and we don't know what it is. Another thing that was very noticeable
2: by Grant's writing technique, but also with the entire story of Tom White, is that they start most chapters and end most chapters with a hook, with a, a bang in evidence that just completely changes the story. For example, at the beginning of Chapter 12, White suspects a mole in the Bureau, and in many other chapters, we see at the end that, that potentially something's wrong in the evidence. Potentially, that third man was in the car was Brian Burk Burkhardt that we learn. And people, specifically Hale, hires other people to to manufacture evidence, and it's becoming a massive grand scheme where uh, Hale is hiring this person and this person to alter it and to change it so that when the the investigators like Berger and white corroborate all of the stories they line up however as we continue to talk with more people the uh, criminals in the hills things aren't lining up people are starting to say things in order to get themselves more immunity and this whole investigation is corrupt any anything to say jared Yeah,
1: uh, Hoover, which is the head of the investigation, uh, demands to know everything about each aspect that goes on with White's investigation into these murders. He started to lose interest as time had passed, but now wants to be in the loop more than ever. Hoover believes that Nisia Kenny, a white woman, may have the answers to the Anna and Roan cases. He said, I believe that Mrs. Kenny is pretty well on the right track to one of his agents. White had shifted his attention to Brian Buckhart. Molly's brother-in-law, and White is able to confirm that Anna and Brian were in a car together the night of Anna's death. Each time we get evidence that may lead us to believe that someone is the killer, it has been usually wrong. So I don't know where I stand as of this, in page 178 in the book. I don't know what to believe or who any murder suspects may even be. There's potentially a third man involved in the crime and the investigation grows more gray.
0: Yeah, I think just add on, there's so many loopholes in this, not only this investigation, but the entire book we see with the murders, um, no one really knows who's behind it all. And even as the investigation process you know, transpires, every now and then in each chapter, it seems on like every page, there's always another loophole and another development arising. And I think that with White and his team, their ultimate goal was to end all of this and eradicate any type of um, misjudgment and really hunker down on who the real murderers were. And we see that Hale does everything in his power, and he does have so much power to end this and stop White in his tracks, but in the end, it's ultimately unsuccessful.
2: I think Hale, it's just, we, we need to discuss it because he's the key <clears throat> to this entire investigation. Uh, quoted in the book, Hale is taking care of too many people and truly eliminating anyone who may implicate him. He almost reminds me of an OJ Simpson type character who, when was put in the court of law, utilized every source of power that he has with his reputation oj simpson ran for thousands of rushing yards hale was just a well-known guy with a lot of connections and it seems to be unfair in the court of law that is not justice is not served for at least the majority of the trial when the jury is called to end and he's just getting off the hook and i think that it's causing a lot of fear in the town everyone there's a little diaspora that occurred the osage migrated out of their village because no white citizen wanted to turn against the powerful Hale that really took over their village. So it was a scary <clears> time. And for the people in Molly's family, they, they didn't see like any justice was coming. And even Tom White, I'm I'm sure at some point in this entire investigation,
0: realized that he might be doomed. Yeah, I think what was wild was that like Agent White and his whole team knew Hale was in the middle of all, all of this, but their question wasn't even like, do they have the evidence? It was most certainly like, do they even have the confidence that they can truly be taken down and we see like Hale you know meets with multiple people he met with him and he he has his own gang he offers them all $20,000 to kill Bill Smith and his wife and it's just one of the many things that he does to basically make this investigation so corrupt and so hard for him to be defeated and him to eventually be arrested Um, which we see Agent White eventually does a good job of and does get um,
1: Hale in some big trouble Alright, we're nearing the end of the book. It's chapter 20 and we're approaching the end of the 1926 summer and the heat has reached infernal temperatures as put in the book. The trial for Hale and Ramsey are taking place and we will have to wait and see what will happen. White is concerned with Hale's ability to bribe and persuade the jury to siding with him. Once again, we see the power of Hale come into effect here as this is even a thought for, for White. I think Hale will find a way out of this as he has done so many times before. The trial takes rest on August 7th, but it resumes on August 20th, and the judge finds out Hale indeed bribed members of the jury and they were dismissed. White begins to dig into Hale's bribery of the jury members to try to get a lead. Certainly something must be important enough to bribe members of a jury to side with you in a criminal investigation. By the end of October, the trial is over and Hale and Ramsey are convicted of the murder of Henry Roan, but are sentenced to life in prison as opposed to the death penalty. This is not good news, as we know these two will find a way to escape. White is a good man and wants the prison to have fair conditions in order to rehabilitate the inmates and treat them with fairness. Bob here has some more to include about White and the prison. Well, as
2: I mentioned earlier, we we hear stories of White being a child in a prison and seeing people get hung for their actions. So I think that this plays a big role in how he how he treats um, Hale and how he treats the prisoners. Something else I want to note, at the end, towards the end of the book, we hear Hale says he believes his power will still help him walk free one day. If I was white, that certainly would not sit well with me. The fact that I just worked so hard to put the guy who just killed over 20 people or was involved in the killing of 20-something people, it's just crazy. I would not want the guy who I just imprisoned walk free one day. And the fact that he's entitled makes it even more frustrating, even as a reader. So that was something that I took away with Hale and his conflict with
0: White. Yeah, I think to add on, I think White just has so much on his plate. Not even now with this development that Hale is so confident that he's gonna eventually get out one day after being sentenced to life in prison. I don't I think not only that, but just the whole process as a whole and this whole investigation. I think White was beginning to look towards a future and a better future, as Jared said before, you know, he's trying to make prisons safer and ultimately make the whole investigation process more reliable. And now he has to deal with this guy, Hale, who's been really a pain in the neck for this entire process, just threatening and saying that he hasn't, he's not done yet. So I think that it's just another development in this book that makes it super interesting. That there's always, always something else happening. One key piece of information that I actually think I said incorrectly earlier
2: in our podcast was that Kelsey Morrison was the third man in the car and he was an undercover informant for, hell, uh, for White who was working as a double agent and funneling back information to hell. I think Gran does so well, what he does so well is he develops these characters and every single character has another mystery
0: that is layered behind their true identity. To touch on that, um, what I think, what I included in my notes a lot was with these characters that Gran brings in. I think Gran, you know, he does a good job of describing each character, but I think that there's just so many of them that over time as, the, as a reader, you know, you start to lose track. Maybe on like every other page, I felt like there's a new character coming in. So that's just a note I wanted to add
2: quickly. I, say, I think something else, <clears throat> just a note about Grand's writing is that he'd be discussing the investigation and all, and then he would spend four pages discussing, or may, maybe even more, discussing the background of one of the characters. And at some points I just thought that this book could even be condensed. We don't need to know so much I don't know to what extent hearing about White, White's entire live, life was important right. to the investigation, yeah. though it is interesting specifically about White's, but overall there is a lot going on, a lot of disruptions in the investigation that made it confusing.
1: Yeah, with so many characters and trying to go so in depth in the story, it's very hard uh, to navigate through um, to the extent of how much you want to deal with each character and like the background of each one, it's, it's hard to pick up on. So uh, that's just one thing to note about Grant's writing, Um, but we found that that rather difficult to comprehend throughout the entire story, and one thing that we had to critique about it.
0: All right, so that's really it when talking about the book and the specific details inside in this podcast and now we're just going to end it off by giving some of our individual takes about the book and the Osage um, tribe as a whole so what I really saw was that you know by 1950 these Osage cases were essentially forgotten and erased from history I know that I myself have never heard of the Osage cases before reading this book and to see just how cruel they really were is kind of baffled me that I haven't heard of them before reading this And I think it's just super upsetting to see how the entire scandal of the Osage murders went down and that the Osages were truly uh, discriminated against this whole time and were completely left without a voice in the end. Um, And that's basically just what I'm taking away from this book is that there were so many murders that were unheard of. And then when they were heard of, they still weren't treated as if they were quote unquote real murders just because of the tribe and their ethnicity as a whole.
2: I think in terms of the overall book as a takeaway, there's just, a lot going on and towards the end of the book i was starting to get confused with all the people involved especially like the criminals in the hills and the informants and the and the investigators so to that extent i think it was a bit of a confusing novel however overall over overall it was a great book um i think that my main focus is on Hale, and that's one of my biggest takeaways just seeing him him grow power and seeing how he handles all of the different uh different things that get in his way and all of the murderers i think that it's just he's like a god in this book and i think that that's one of the craziest aspects of the novel for me
1: yeah for me i had a very difficult time uh, navigating through all these characters it seems every chapter there's five six seven more characters and we get such little background on some of them and such extensive backgrounds on the other it's hard to see who's really relevant in the story and who's who's basically just a decoy. So that's I found that difficult for, uh, for the characters from that standpoint. But uh, the book overall was 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 really interesting to to see how these Osage murders really happened, how they unfolded and how I really never heard of them before. I think um, that the movie coming out soon with Leonardo DiCaprio could be very interesting. I think uh, I'm really excited to see that. I hope I hope it does it justice and Um, That was my takeaway on the book. I think David Grant, the writing aspect was, was great. The characters was difficult for me, but the story plot was incredible.